Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. Steve Zotke here with a Formula One analyst from NBC Sports, David Hobbs. And David... Spanish Grand Prix last week, uh, Lewis Hamilton won the race with Mercedes, of course, and it was a diverse podium with uh, Sebastian Vettel and the Ferrari and Daniel Ricciardo in the Red Bull, but a couple weeks ago we were mentioning it's going to be real important for the number two drivers to remain strong, and that didn't happen last week, did it? Well, it didn't happen because both number two drivers ran each ran into each other at, uh, well, in fact, all three number two drivers, uh, Max Verstappen, Kimi Raikkonen, and Valtteri Bottas all ran into each other at turn one, lap one, and put Raikkonen and Verstappen out right there on the spot. Um, a lot of people blamed uh, Valtteri Bottas for that, but I couldn't see it was his fault at all. He made a better start. He got in front of them. He was on the inside going into turn one, couldn't have been further over to the right-hand side of the road. And the other two Herberts tried to go around the outside and unfortunately came together and they both broke their suspension. So uh, that put Raikkonen out. Uh, so then it looked like it was going to be even better for Mercedes from the uh, constructor's point of view. And then um, later on in the race, Valtteri Bottas lost an engine. So um, it was down to one car each. And those two drivers, you know, Bottas and um, Raikkonen are going to play a very important part in the championship for the constructors' points, which, of course, as far as the constructors are concerned, is the important one, because that's where the dosh is. I mean, that's where the real money is, and uh, not the drivers' championship. Obviously, for the drivers, that championship is very important, but not so much for the constructors. So it was, it was a great, it was a very good race. Strategy played a big part. Um, Vettel was looked quicker than the Mercedes. It was certainly got away quicker, and he pulled out about a two-second lead, and then it leveled off at two seconds. Now, whether he was holding the gap at two seconds or whether Hamilton got into his stride and could hold the gap, not quite sure. Uh, but I think that the tyre strategy of the Mercedes team worked out better in the end because at the end of the race, Hamilton had the softer tyre compound on which proved over the weekend to be slightly the quicker of the two, and, and it gave them a win. But, of course, Vettel still leads the championship by now six points going into Monaco, uh, which I think, too, will be a real barn burn of a race. Of course, we won't see much overtaking, but I think we're going to see a massively high-speed procession through the streets of Monaco because these cars, don't forget, are nearly a foot wider each than they were before and obviously the gap between the walls of Monaco is still pretty tight and so when they get down to the hairpins like the uh, old Lowe's hairpin which is now the Fairmont hairpin um, there ain't going to be much room to spare and um, of course they got a lot more grip with the rubber um, and so I fully expect the speed qualifying speed to be round about 102 103 miles an hour which you know when you consider the track they're on it's pretty pretty damn quick 
It's going to be interesting, especially that start. It may harken back to uh, when Derek Daly passed about six cars, and I think 82 in his Tyrrell by passing over the top of the cars at the beginning of the race. So with the white tires, that certainly could play into. One thing with the Spanish Grand Prix I thought was impressive was uh, Force India. And this is a team that... Uh, kind of has a little bit of turmoil but you got Sergio Perez and uh, Esteban Ocon you know fourth and fifth and then they're right there behind uh, the the big three I guess you could call them with Mercedes Red Bull and Ferrari uh, what, what's what's going on with Force India is this something with their CEO or the head with the financial issues I guess uh, and maybe some legal issues with some of the powers to be there well, we don't really know what's going on with Force India from a money point of view. I don't know how to keep going as it is. Um, they are one of the more underfunded teams, and of course their boss, Vijay Malia, is about to be incarcerated in India for about a thousand years. Um, their other main sponsor, the chap that owns the safari company, already is in the slammer. Um, so the long-term prognostication is not great, although I did hear a rumour that Bernie Eccleston might buy the team not quite sure why he would do that at 86 years old. But considering they do run on a shoestring, their performances this year have been nothing short of extraordinary. Both cars have won points in every race so far, in all five races. Now, Ocon had his best result, fifth. Every other race, he's got one point. But nevertheless, I mean, for that team, uh, it is quite extraordinary. They're doing better than Williams. Um, they're right behind, they're doing better than Toro Rosso. Uh, they're right behind Red Bull. Um, I think Red Bull will pull away from them, but nevertheless, their performance is, is pretty outstanding. And obviously, Sergio Perez will be hoping that if the whole thing does take a huge nosedive, that he will be rescued by somebody like Ferrari. You know, you keep hearing about him maybe going to Ferrari. Um, I can't see Ferrari keeping Raikkonen on for another year, um, I mean, in another year's time, he'll be 38 anyway, and he's already the oldest driver out there. So I'm looking for Perez to get a really good drive somewhere, just a case of where. And then, of course, the other one that was good to see getting points is the Sauber team, which seems like to be hanging on by their fingernails. And and ex- explain to the fans how important it is for a team like Sauber to score points. Well... It's, it's about $40 million reason is why. Um, last year, if you remember, Manor had scored one point, and so they were assured of the last place $40 million bucks from, from the Formula One management team. And at, right near the end of the season, Sauber got one point, and dislo- got two points, and so dislodged them, so, and so Manor disappeared because they, they suddenly lost that $40 million. And so for Sauber, that, that uh, 40 million is absolutely critical. And if they can hang on, because at the moment, the only team with no points is the mighty, or the once mighty, McLaren Honda, which to me is still an absolute source of complete amazement and astonishment that they are quite as bad as they've been. I mean, it just seems to me to be unbelievable that Honda... Um, are so far behind on this engine, considering that Honda, you know, makes some of the finest engines in the world. They make the best outboard boat engines. They make the best motorbike engines. I mean, their streetcar engines are unsurpassed in terms of specific output, fuel consumption, and longevity. And yet, 
boy, they've come unstuck with this new formula. So, but I mean, yeah, for Sal by those points that uh, Pascal Verlein got, and I thought it was a great day for him too because he's been very, very castigated this year for bad driving and making bad decisions and, and coming back too soon after his injury. And well, plus he got uh, dinged for a penalty, and he was able to overcome that too. Yeah, he did. He got he started pretty well dead last, and. Uh, and, and, and he took a long. He put a, put took a chance on the tyres, and, and it paid off. And uh, so, I was glad for him, really. And then, of course, you know, Monaco coming up. We got Jensen Button will be in the McLaren, and Fernando Alonso will be in Indianapolis, and it's become a huge story. And I, it really puts into perspective when he did the IndyCar test, and they had over two million hits on the live feed. And I think there's a lot of Americans that are maybe just focused on NASCAR or IndyCar race and don't really appreciate how big of a marketplace Formula One is in their fan base. Can, uh, how much how much interest do you think that's going to expand for Indianapolis having Alonso there? Well, I think, you know, as we know, Formula One is a bit of a niche audience over here in America, although I am pleased to say that our coverage of the Spanish Grand Prix uh, was the highest-rated Spanish Grand Prix uh, on TV in America since 1995. So that's a good move. And, of course, it was a great race. So if we had a lot of people watching it, you know, hopefully they're going to pass the word on, hey, this Formula One racing is really worth it. I think that he will draw a large amount of people to the Indy 500. You know, you're talking maybe 5% of 5% of 300,000 is a lot of people. Uh, I think he will draw people in to, to watch the race. It will improve their TV ratings, especially in Europe. I mean, their TV ratings in Europe will rock it, I would think, with with Alonso there. So, and uh, I, you know, I wouldn't bet against him winning. Uh, I don't think he will, but he certainly could. He's been running well this week. It's only a very short practice, you know, with just one week before the first qualifying. Um, but he's looking pretty strong, and uh, I think it'll, I think it's good for motorsports all around. Um, will Jensen do any good at Monaco? He's a winner there. He's a world champion. Um, so. I think he'll do the best he can in the car. I'm not sure whether he'll be absolutely up to snuff fitness-wise, uh, although those guys keep themselves pretty fit. And who's going to win in Monaco next week? Boy, really, really good question. Um, I suspect it'll be either Vettel or Hamilton. Um, Valtteri Bottas could pull it off. Um, he hasn't had much luck there. And, of course, Max Verstappen, we've seen him very, very quick there. The Red Bull's lack of power uh, won't play against him anything like as much as it has done before. The Red Bull is good on tight circuits, and you can't get anything tighter than Monaco. And if it should rain a bit or be a little bit damp, then I would put Red Bull right in there with the Mercedes and the Ferrari. And uh, if it's a bit damp, I can see our Max Verstappen. He'll either slam it into the wall or he could win the race. So I think it's anyone's. I think, you know, if you're a betting man, I think the odds are going to be pretty uh, short on all those guys. Thank you, David. That was David Hobbs with NBC Sports. And make sure you check into the Monaco Grand Prix Memorial Day weekend on Sunday. On what channel? NBCSN, the race, the uh, pre-race broadcast starts at 7 o'clock. At 8 o'clock, we go over to NBC. And we'll be on NBC for the rest of the show, the half-hour pre-race, the race, and a half-hour post-race. Looking forward to it. Thank you. 
You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.